I said, when God comes down, something happens. It's just inevitable, okay? And I hope this is a positive word for you because Lord knows I'm optimistic. In fact, your pastor is insanely optimistic. I know you know that. And I'm not here to put a, a guilt trip on you. I'm here to prepare your heart for what's about to happen. When God comes down, something happened. So it appears in America we're not having a revival. It appears that way. But I believe all around the world, pockets of revival are happening. You don't often hear the good news. You don't often hear the news. But how many know God's spirit is moving all across the world? I said all over the world, all over the land, there are people, there is a remnant of people who say, God, we're here to worship you. We live to worship you. We're not going through some uh, stupefied state of being. We want revival. And did you know if you want revival, you could have it? You can have personal revival. You can have revival in a Sunday school class. You can have revival in a youth group. How I many know you can have it wherever you want? So what is it? Isaiah 64, it's an unusual portion to preach on revival, but it's a, it's a prayer for mercy. Isaiah, the prophet's preaching, oh, God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Somebody say, come down, Lord. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. That the mountains might quake at your presence. And as sure as fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations may tremble at your presence. When did you, uh, when you did, this Isaiah reminding God of what he did. How many know sometimes we try to tell God what he did? It's Isaiah mourning and grieving and lamenting over the state and the condition of Israel. And your pastor's in that place today where I'm grieving and mourning and lamenting over the state of America. And more, and more importantly, not not just the world, uh, America, the world, the lost, but the church in America. I mean, no, she needs to wake up. I want to say it's the world's fault, but man, I don't know. You, when you did amazing, awesome things, which we didn't expect, or or basically that word, I looked at a little bit more of that phrase. We did not expect it. It's more like which we wasn't looking for. Israel ignored God. Israel forgot God. Israel started worshiping Baal and Astra. You remember in our study of Gideon? Up and down. One day they was good, the next day they was bad. Depends on who was leading them. They get a judge and they do right for a few years. And then that judge dies and they do wrong for a few years. Get a king and the kings, they get a good king. And we have a revival. There's a bad king. It's bad news. And Manasseh was a bad king. Bad things happened. But we remember, you came down at Sinai. The mountains quaked at your presence. Isaiah is recalling the Torah, the law of Moses. From the days of old, no one has heard, nor has their ears perceived. From the days of old, creation, from creation, right? Nor has the eye seen a God beside you. Could you just lift your hands to the Lord? He's no other God like him. Come on, lift your hand to the Lord. From the days of creation, there's not been a God like our God. They have not perceived your goodness. They have not even known your presence. There's no God like you who works and acts in behalf of the one who gladly waits for him. How many waiting for the Lord in a gladly way? I'm talking about how many glad 
that he's still our God. We're waiting on him to move. We're, we're waiting on him to move. We're waiting on him to visit us on the mountain. You have to go to the mountain. You got to go up like Moses did. You got to get there. You meet him who rejoices in doing that which is morally right. God will meet with you if you do right. He, he remembers you in your ways. Indeed, you were angry for we sinned. Isaiah puts himself into the mix. We all sinned. We all sinned. I'm glad, Old Grove. Listen, I love you, and, and we're not perfect, but how many know we are redeemed? We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we realize it. And Oak Grove, listen, I'm, I'm talking to the choir. I know you want revival. I said, I already know you want revival. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be praying. You wouldn't be seeking God. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be taking notes. You wouldn't be uh, allowing me to scream and holler and spit and run, sweat. You were angry for we sinned. We have long continued in our sins, prolonging your anger. You can't, man, and we shall be saved. Or, or the question, more like a question. Shall we be saved under such conditions that we're living in? Can we be saved worshiping idols? Prostitutes in the temple? Can we do all this stuff and, and, and your presence show up? I mean, no, God and sin do not mix. So if the church is filled with sin, he's not there. You can still call yourself a believer and a worshiper of Yahweh, but you have separated yourself because sin separates us from God. How many know that's a simple theological statement that the world hadn't grasped yet? The world thinks you can still sin and have God's blessing in Yahweh's presence. But can we, Isaiah says, under these situations? That's Israel. They're in captivity, actually. They're just coming out, but the king of Cyrus uh, of Persia has released them to go back to their homeland. It's where we are. They're coming out, but Isaiah the prophet saying, even though we're out, we got to Jerusalem. We look at the land and it's destroyed and the, it's, it's a mess. The walls are destroyed. The temple is destroyed. How I many know oh, that's what sin does? Hello? Sin destroys. The church is a mess, he's saying. We've all become like one who is ceremonially unclean, like a leper. And all our deeds are righteousness of righteousness. Everything we're doing are like filthy rags. I don't want to get graphic. I don't want to get graphic. But it's a lady's season. It's a lady's cycle. It's talking about. It's just about as gross and filthy and desecrated and no good filthy as menstrual rags. And we all wither and decay like a leaf. What he's saying. Did I lose you just because I told you the truth? And our wickedness, our sin, our, our injustice, our wrongdoing, like the wind takes us away, carrying us far away from God's favor. I don't know about you, but if there's anything I wake up asking for, it is the favor of God. I want the favor of God on my life. I like walking in the blessing of God. And we all do, don't we? But you don't, it's consequences, right? You can't walk in sin and enjoy the blessing and favor of God. And God allows us because we're free will people. God will let us go. Go. Go into Babylon. You want to be a Babylonian? You want to worship Baal? Go with King Ahab and Jezebel. Go ahead. And he allows us to go and we just go and we just go and we just go. And we do what they do. And we look like they like. We do, we eat what they eat, and we do everything they do, and yet we're the people of God. 
So he takes us far away, carrying us from God's favor toward destruction. That's where it's heading. And even though he knows that, I mean, no, it's not God's fault that Israel went to Babylonian captivity. Somebody needs to help the preacher here. It's not God's fault. He allowed them to get so wicked in their own lust, James says, drawn away. He brought them into captivity as a discipline because he loves them that much. Wow. It's a long time to be captive. But they already knew what it was like to be slaves. Now they're captives again and over again. Look, there's no one who calls on your name. No one. No one calling on your name who awakens and causes himself to take hold of you. Nobody's waking up and saying, oh, my, how did I get here? Like the prodigal son who's in the hog pen. A Jew in a hog pen. I know he doesn't belong there. Kind of like Elijah in the cave. When God walks in and says, what are you doing in here, Elijah? And I suppose God's asking today, hey, church of the 21st century, what are you doing, America? Why do you look like that? Why are you acting like that? You don't belong in there. You were established on Judeo-Christian principles. The way you were birthed was in me. I blessed you. I helped you. We sing God bless America. Yet our hearts are far removed. And so that's where we are. Isaiah the prophets, he's saying, hey, there's nobody calling on your name. There's, there's nobody acting like you are their father. There's nobody. For you've hidden your face from us. You've handed us over to the consuming and destructive power of our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. You handed us over. You, you, you took away your covering. You, you peeled away your protection. You just let us go. And we were happy to go away from you. We were afraid of you. Because when you come down, <laughs> let me know something happened. <laughs> when God comes down, something happened. And instead of having the reverence fear of God, the holy, awesome reverence, worship, respect of God, they had a fear, fear, earthly fear of God and said, Moses, you go talk to God. He's fierce in his anger and he's lost his love and compassion. Can I submit to you today? Our God is still a loving God. I said, how many appreciate the fact that our God is a loving God? He is also called a consuming fire. I don't think the world likes that part of God, but he's not like a golden corral buffet. He's God and there is no other. Yet, oh Lord, you are our father. Look at this. Another version said, but now. Somebody shout, but now. But now, oh God, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. I mean, it sounds like somebody's coming to their senses. I know it's Isaiah writing. And we are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure. In other words, God, don't go so far in your anger that you forget about us. How many know God has not forgotten about America? Come on, Americans. If you're visiting from another nation and you're a citizen of another group, bear with me. Come on, Americans. God has not forgotten about our nation. God still loves us and God can still redeem us. But we need to call on it. We need revival. Next week, I'm going to bring you a pictorial sermon. 
a pictorial sermon. It's going to be all pictures about the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the third great awakening, and how many know there's a fourth one coming? I hope to be alive for the next great awakening. So something that's awakening, wakes up, is not dead. It's just sleeping. Remember last week I told you, stir up the fire. It's not gone. It's just dwindled. How many know there's still some fire burning? And God wants to do something great. And all I've done so far is read the text. Hallelujah. Don't be angry, God, beyond measure. Oh, Lord, do not remember our wickedness, only our sin and all of that forever. Now, look, consider we're all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem is desolation. Isaiah seeing we're out of captivity. And look at Jerusalem. I can't help but think about Jerusalem this morning. I said, I can't help but think about our Jerusalem this morning. Say, our Jerusalem? I mean, we are God's people too. And God looks at his devastation of his land and the temple. Isaiah is crying out to God, look at your cities. What do the nations think of you now? He's trying to, I don't know, he's trying to talk to God. Trying to say, look, look, at, look, God. Look at, look at the situation. Have you forgotten all about us? The God's people at this time are in, they're carried into captivity. They lost their spirit. They're coming back. They had no hope for a future. They didn't even believe revival was possible. But they're begging God to come down. Would somebody shout with me, please come down, God. Please come down, God. If you don't get anything else, get this. The church in America needs to be begging God. Please, God, come down. What is revival, Pastor? What is revival? It is the presence of God. Like our culture, I'm here to tell you, I believe revival is not only possible, but inevitable. It's inevitable. I believe it's inevitable. I mean, it's, it's either rapture or rupture or revival. I said, you have three choices. I remember we were down physically. Melissa was very sick. We went to a doctor. God, how many know God will always provide a doctor or somebody? How many believe God uses all kinds of people? We didn't know where to turn. We didn't know whether we needed a counselor or a doctor or a physician. We didn't know what we needed, but finally God led us to the doctor that we didn't even know. Doctor gave us three options. Live with the pain. We didn't like that option. My wife's pain is my pain. And I think America's pain ought to be our pain. Come on, somebody. If America's in bad shape, we're all in bad shape. That's what Isaiah said. We all are like filthy rags. The only righteousness we have in this church is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You take that away, we're no better than anybody else. So my wife was in pain, and I, I was like, I don't like option number one. Live with it. Option number two was suppress the pain. I mean, like America tried to suppress her pain through drugs and alcohol and all kinds of other issues. Suicide being the number one thing right now. I'll just put myself out of my misery. How I many know oh, that's a bad decision? Can I tell you right now, as much as I love you, do not do it. Don't do it. Because suicide is a permanent decision for a temporary problem. Don't do it. Just hang in there. Say, Pastor, in the church? 
you would be surprised how confused people are today. Man, they're hurting. So they suppress it with drugs and alcohol, violence and wickedness, and methamphetamines, even preachers. Preachers are killing themselves. No, listen, in the Assemblies of God, we have a few that have committed suicide. Preachers, Assembly of God, preachers. Big church. Everything's big. Everything's great. How many know the demand on the preacher today is crazy? One person can't do all of that. So they want to keep uh, a successful, uh, you know, uh, look amongst the people. I'm successful. Look at me. And so they keep jumping through all the hoops and doing all the dance. I mean, you can't dance long. You can't dance forever. You can't do that. If you do, the world would just suck the life right out of you. How many know we ought to please one man and his name is Jesus? And there's pressure on the church to conform to the world. There's pressure on the church to be like the world. Come on, what are you old people at Old Grove? Y'all so old-fashioned, still believe in tongues and the Bible. And I mean, don't you know? Why don't you get a cutting-edge education where you can understand that that's all just a fairy tale? How many know it's more than a book? It is the words of life. You don't have the Bible. You don't have anything. I wish I could get a witness in here. If you don't have the word of God, you've got nothing. And without the word of God, boy, we are in trouble. I'll preach to you another sermon I'm preparing about when they found the word of God. Josiah was eight years old. Josiah, eight years old. You was eight years old when you reigned king over Judah. And they were cleaning out. Shaphan, the high priest, was cleaning out the temple of God. And they came upon a book. I wish this nation would come back upon the book. They came upon a book. It was the Torah, the word of God. They found the word of God in the house of God. How many glad it's still here at Oak Grove Assembly? Amongst all the rubble in Jerusalem, and the temple was destroyed. It was under the rubble. The word was in the house, but covered up by rubble. Boy, I wish I could preach right now. Everybody believes in the Bible, right? But they don't value it enough to read it. I value, I value the education my children are getting. I want them to hear the Bible. I said, I want them to hear the word of God. I want them not only to hear the word, I want them to experience the word of God. Not just the written word, the living, breathing Jesus. That he might be real, that he might show up and manifest himself. I believe it's inevitable. And the third thing the doctor said, remove it. Live with the pain, suppress the pain, or remove it. And let me tell you what, in, in, in this case, it was a, it was an organ that was not working right. We had to get rid of it. And God worked it out, and we're healed, and we're happy because we didn't know what to do. How many know God can heal your body? How many know on the cross, God provided your atonement and, and your healing, not only your covering from your sin, but the healing of your mind, your body, and your emotions? He can heal you. I believe in a healing God. Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee, showed up in the Old Testament. Moses raised up the pole, the serpent, said our God is a healing God. And medical doctors still use that, that medical 
thing today, even on the serpent on the pole, to remind us that God is still God. And we can do what we can. But how I many know until God puts his hand on it, we're in trouble. And the thing we need to remove out of the church today, out of the body of Christ, is sin. Remove it. Remove it. And so God's people were carried about. They were in disrepair. They were dispirited, much like the church today. No hope for a revival. Yet we are the remnant of God. And at Oak Grove, we're crying out for God to intervene. Send us revival, O Lord. Send it again. And as Isaiah said, you did it in times past. When you showed up on the mountain with, with Moses, the whole mountain began to shake. And the people who are in the valley began to realize it. God is on the mountain. And he's speaking. And he has some rules for us. Not rules to just oppress us, but rules to bless us. To make us a nation like no other nation. Are y'all hearing me? And though America don't want any rules. They don't want any accountability. They don't want nobody to tell me what to do. Okay? I'll eat what I want. i go where I want. i say what I want. i do what I want. And God said, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see how it's going to go for you. And so I want to tell you why there is no revival. Listen carefully. It's not because of liberal churches or disunity among the people of God. Or because we've been worldly and compromised. If we get all these matters changed, how many know it will still not be revival? All of those things I mentioned are, they are, uh, there aren't the reasons for revival or no revival. They're not the reasons for no revival. They are the results of no revival. When you don't have revival, you get all of this other stuff. Carnality. When the church doesn't behave herself, when the church doesn't preach, when the church doesn't do and behave within the margins of God's law, then then they succumb to the pressures of the world around them. They begin to look like the world. It's called compromise. I know you haven't heard that in a while, but that's that's what it is. So, so what is revival then? The reason for their state of condition was it's sin, idol worship, not listening to God. Revival is when God comes down. When we get things right, that's what revival is, right? All of those things were the reason for no revival, not the result. We will have revival when God comes down. I said we'll have a revival when God comes down. So let me ask you a question. How many are ready for God to come down? Because the presence of God is what produces revival. I want God's presence more than I want anything else in the world. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for lights. I'm not asking for a full church. I'm not asking for a new church. I'm asking God to visit us again. Because you can be in a little shanty in the backwoods somewhere, and God can come down. And when Almighty God comes down, something happens. I've been in services, Max, in Mexico, under coffee trees with an acoustic and a Mexican who couldn't speak English because I was an Englishman who couldn't speak Spanish. I know I tease, but I really can't. But, but either way, he didn't understand me. I didn't understand him. But we both understood God. 
How many know you don't have to know? You can talk in an unknown language and still not know. But how many know you can bear witness that your spirit and God's spirit are in unity? And when God comes down, how many know you can feel when the presence of God comes down? You can feel his experience. You can, you can have his presence. And guess what? It's relational. Let me just stop here to tell you when Melissa and I are having an argument and we don't really fight or argue, Max, we don't. But you can hear us reasoning together for about three blocks. Intense fellowship is what we get. And when something's out of sync, when we're not in unity, oh, it's miserable. I'm going to tell you it's miserable. I've been married almost 40 years. It's miserable, Max. You can pretend to be mad, but you're married. Anybody ever been married more than one day? You can pretend to be mad, but you're married. You're married. I said, you're married. And it's hard to praise each other when you're mad at each other. It's hard to say nice things, Rick. If I have aught with you, probably not going to come hug you. Probably going to stay away from you. And guilt, and Satan puts guilt on us. He puts shame on us. And he tries to divide us. You could not even do something wrong with Satan tell you about what you did when you were a long time ago before you were saved. How many know he's always trying to divide you and God, me and God, us and God, Israel and God, always. And so here it is. The presence of God himself is what produces revival. Now, we're going to have a revival coming up. Uh, Chrissy, when is our date? October 3rd. We're going to have a bona fide, genuine revival service. Now, how many know uh, a series of meetings is not a definition of revival? But we put it on the calendar anyway. Just in hopes that we're ready by then to call on God and let him come down. But guess, can I tell you something? He could come down on Pentecost Sunday, which is today, by the way. I wish I had some Pentecostals in here to shout and celebrate of the Feast of Harvest. Come on, give God some praise. It's Pentecost today. 50 days after the resurrection, they got together. They prayed and a sound from heaven came and the Lord came down and the Lord came down. See, God loves to come down. I know you don't believe me, but God loves to come down. Oh, that you, almighty God would rend the heavens that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. That's what happens. It's almighty God. Oh, Grove, we need revival. I don't know how many times you want me to say it throughout the series, but we need revival. I said we need revival. Down in our soul, we need revival from head to toe. Oh, oh, y'all don't know it? We need that first love, that touch from heaven's dove. We need revival down in our soul. And I believe God can come down. How many of you? We believe it. Say, Pastor, I believe it. And I can't wait to watch it. I really can't wait to watch what happens. I believe you're crazy enough to call on God. And I believe God's good enough to come down. But I don't know what to do with you or the revival. Can I ask you a question? I asked our newest staff who's working in children's church today. I said, Brooke, 
What if revival came to Oak Grove? What would you do over there in Children's Church? I'll tell you what she would do. Same thing as Tori and Chrissy, uh, uh, Tori and uh, Betty Jo. Scream! How I many know oh, revival is attractive? Fire. How I many know oh, when the fire truck goes off, people get in their car and follow the fire truck to the fire? How I many know oh, that's sick? That's pretty mental. What are you going to watch things burn? Just come to arsonist, are you? But John Wesley said, if you get on fire, the world will watch you burn. And, and next week, I'm going to show you a bunch of pictures about what happened in the state of America and how we were so far from God. And God came down. Can he do it again, Oak Grove? Of course he can. And I just hope that this produces something in you and, uh, and help you to know that God is really wanting something to happen in this place. He's going to do it. He came down when the Lord stepped out, out of heaven. How I many know oh, Jesus stepped down out of heaven to earth? God came down. He came down on Mount Sinai to meet Moses. He showed up. He came down at the dedication of Solomon's temple. God came down. And they were dedicating the temple. It was a beautiful thing. They were so excited to have a place to worship God. God was in a tent out in the wilderness. And, and David said, no, I don't want you. I built me a palace, God. You have to have a place to live and dwell. You deserve more than we mere men have. I have a palace and you have a tent. So we're going to build you a temple. And so God said, David, you won't, but your son Solomon will. And David supplied him with all he needed. He built the temple. And on the day of dedication, coronation, he prayed a simple prayer. And God came down. And God came down. I submit to you this morning, it's not about David or Solomon or Moses. It's about God. And we're living in a day of celebrity preachers. Celebrity preacher online, listen to me. You're not all you think you are. And God's people will raise you up and put you on a pedestal only to see you fall and break your neck. We love heroes. We love to praise men and make men great. But how many know it's not making them great? It's making them arrogant. Celebrities. And they flock and they build the church and they build bigger churches and celebrities everywhere. How many know God may not come down in Los Angeles to the Hollywood movie stars? He comes down though. He came down in Bethlehem and he gave us himself. How many glad for Jesus' birth? The virgin birth. He came down at Pentecost. On Pentecost Sunday, we're talking about the Holy Spirit came down and baptized a baby church, an infant church, with wonderful power. And here we are in the church age, 2,000 years later, on Pentecost Sunday, asking God to come down one more time. God, could you come down one more time? I think about Samson as he was dying. I mean, sin had gouged out his eyes, took his authority, took his hair, took his position, Took his everything away from him. He's, he's grinding at a meal. Blinded. No purpose, no vision, no hope. But at the end of his life, he held on to the pillars and said, God, come down one more time and save your people. That's my heart. One day, how many know Jesus is coming down on the rapture? He's going to come out of the sky. 
And he's going to be up in heaven. And we, which are dead in Christ, shall rise first. And then those that are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. On the next time, though, he's coming all the way down. I said at the second coming, he's coming all the way down. His, his feet's going to touch the Mount of Olives. And on his vesture and on his thigh is be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The first time, I'm going to go up to meet him. But the second time, I'm riding back with him. How I many know the first time, he's coming to get the bride. But the next time, he's coming with the bride. The first time, he came as a savior. But the next time, he's coming as ruler and judge. And he's going to set it all right. Revival's coming, folks. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I said, it's inevitable. And I know you like it when I whisper rather than when I scream. But I like to scream. Hallelujah. Look what happens. If you study the record of modern history, and we will, you'll find from time to time and place to place, God comes down. Hallelujah. I don't think I have time to finish this message. And my little buzzer's not working. I must be losing a battery or something on here. But the fire in me is. So this is what happens. Mountains will melt. Sinners will shake, and the righteous will rejoice. <laughs> the mountains will melt. Can I tell you, there's nothing, nothing is going to stop the mighty hand of God. That's why I say revival is inevitable. Because Pharaoh, remember when they were in Israel? Uh, Israel, I'm sorry, was in Egypt, 400 years in bondage. You remember that? And God met, came down and met Moses on the mountain. And said, go, go to Pharaoh. Tell them, let my people go. Go ahead. He said, well, who, who will I say has sent me? He said, tell them the I am has sent you. The great I am has sent you. Amen. We just sang about it. How many know he's still the great I am? So he goes to Pharaoh. He said, you know, I don't really talk well. And so God told Moses, you know what? I forgot about that, Moses. Somehow I slipped and had amnesia. No, he said, hey, who, who created your tongue? I know you don't talk well. I don't grab and use only the people who talk well. I mean, oh, there's a lot of slick willies and, and slick talkers out there today. Whispering all kinds of little new teachings in your ear. Well, deep stuff and incredible stuff. Stuff I have never heard. I mean, oh, if you've never heard, it's probably not true. Because God's been saying it for 2,000 years, 4,000 for some. He said, uh, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you Aaron. Thanks a lot, God. Before the rooster crows three times, he's going to build a golden calf. But anyway, before he can get down the, come down out of the mountain, certainly revival ceased. Because revival is when God comes down. <laughs> and the ground opened up. You see, I'm not sure we really want revival. I'm not really sure, Mark, if we want revival. Because revival may not look pretty. And I've got loved ones that need Jesus. How many here say you have a loved one that needs Jesus? The Lord should come right now. They're gone. Forever gone. And I need them to be saved. Say, Pastor, why are you preaching so Emotional, but because I got lost loved ones that can bust hell wide open. That's why. 
And there are people around the world never heard about Jesus. They need to know. Are you hearing me? And so mountains will melt. They know about all of this. When God comes down, Isaiah is remembering the awesome times. So God sent um, Moses to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, which is a type of the world system, denied God. Who is God? We have 12 gods. Who is your God? God said, okay. Moses goes back and says, hey, hey, God, Pharaoh has 12 gods. I only have one. He said, I'll, I'll deal with Pharaoh. So here come the 10 plagues. Whew. One for every God. They worship the fly. They worship the frog. They worship the Nile. How I many know oh, God had an answer for every one of those things? On the best thing they can do in their strange gods is to say that he has kept harm from them. That's the best they can say. But they can't say what Isaiah said. There is no God like our God who actually cares for his people. Our God cares about us. I said, our God cares about us. It's not some statue somewhere that doesn't care whether you live or die. Our God cares about us. So the death angel came by. I mean, you know, you got to have a Passover before you can have a Pentecost. You got to get saved before you can get filled with the Spirit. Passover. They put the blood. I mean, oh, the Lord was projecting forward the, the day when Jesus came down, the last and final sacrifice. How many glad Jesus took care of us? How many went to Passover? How many's had enough audacity to believe in faith in God and Jesus Christ enough to take the blood of Jesus and put it over the doorpost of your home and say, I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. And we'll keep preaching the blood. I said, we'll keep preaching Jesus and the cross and the blood. Because Isaiah said, I has not seen, ears never heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man what God has in store. Isaiah's looking forward. In fact, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Uh, same thing as, as Isaiah 64 and 4. Anytime scripture repeats itself from, especially from Old Testament to New Testament, how many know you got a hold of something? It's called hermeneutic. Way over here, Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what Isaiah 64 is saying way over here. Before the creation of the world, the world had no idea that God was as good as he is. It seems like a negative message, but the truth is, this is a very positive message. All we have to do is call on God and repent and turn and pray. And if we do that, if, if my people call by my name, because you remember a little further there, he said, they, did, they didn't even call on your name. Look at that. We're corrupted by our sins, verse 6. We all fade away as a leaf. Okay, so chlorophyll. Certain time of the year around the Ozarks, especially on the East Coast. How many love the, the, uh, the trees, the beautiful tree? It looks beautiful, but the, I hate to break your heart. It's a dying tree. Okay? The life of the leaf is coming out. Israel is like a dying leaf. It's turning colors, withering, fading. The lush green leaf is losing its color. They're fading away. 
That's what he's saying. We are corrupt. We're fading away. We're like filthy rags in his sight. I don't want to get into it. It's too gross. Complacency in the church. Stir up the fire. He's saying, stir up the fire. Won't you get a clue? Let's get back to God. The reason we're in shape we're in is because we left God. R.A. Torrey has a quote. First, get right with God. Second, get together in prayer until God comes down. And third, allow God to use you as a soul winner. Ore Tori, in one of the Great Awakenings, there's a powerful quote from the man of God. I want you to see this because you can't worship idols and expect to see the glory of God. Chrissy, you guys can come back. You and your team, I appreciate you so much. They realize these idols they worship didn't care about them. Satan lying to the world, he's lying and he's making them believe that God is dead and God don't care. But the God that never fails, how I many know oh, he's the one that never gives up? He's right there waiting for us to call on him again. Only one who cares. The only one who comes down to his people. If we have a revival in America, late, late night comedians will not make fun of us anymore. They'll be shaken under the power of God. Let them mock. Let them make a mockery of the church. Let MSNBC and all these liberal news stations mock God. Let them say what they want. How many know God's going to have a last say? He will come down and the mountains will melt with fervent heat. Accountability. Payday is coming. And men will shake. In the early revivals, man, the man of God would preach. Jonathan Edwards preaching. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Remember that? People come down shaking and quaking and crying and screaming, Oh, forgive me, God. Even children were in the altars. Oh, Lord, do it again. It may take it. I said it may take all of that and then some. I said it may take all of that and then some. This is his real quote. I have a theory. There is not a church, a chapel, or a mission on earth where you cannot have revival. Provided, provided there's a little nucleus of faithful people who hold on to God until he comes down. And he tells us those three things. Let a few Christians, not many, let just a few get thoroughly right with God themselves. That's the prime essential. If it's not done, the rest, I'm sorry to say, cannot be done and it will come to nothing. God can save by many or by few. Oak Grove can have a revival if just two or three, just two or three, will get on their face and say, I'm tired of living in complacency. Some of you are living in sin and acting like it's all right. How many know it's not all right? I said it's not all right to willfully live in disobedience to God and expect to have a revival every Sunday. No wonder the church is sleeping. Nobody wants to rat out anybody else. Scared to make an altar, scared to make it right. But how many know when he starts shaking the mountain, everybody's going to know God is here. Second, let them bind themselves together to pray for revival until God opens up the heaven and rents and comes down. The rabbis used to say of this, this scripture right here, Isaiah 64, they would rent their clothes. They would rent their clothes and say, Lord, rent the heavens like we rented our, rent our clothes and come down. And if you want to see a real type, Max, here's a type. On the day of, of atonement, Yom Kippur, when Jesus was on the cross, the earth began to shake. And the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Not the bottom to the top. From the top to the bottom. 
and it opened up a new and living way. How many know God made a way through Jesus Christ for us to have revival? Access to God or God's presence. That's what revival is. And when the second coming, not the rapture, but the second coming, the heavens will be rent, ripped open, split apart, and Jesus himself is going to come. And anybody who does not know the Lord at that time will face the ruler. And after he locks up Satan for a thousand years, how many like to do a study on the end times? Let me see your hand if you'd like to do a little bit more. Well, we're going to give you that opportunity in October. We're going to go and study the four last four doctrines of the church. We're going to look at it a little closer because some of you are absolutely stupefied. I have no clue. I think Jesus is coming. I think he's coming soon. I know it can be scary, and I've been told all my life, don't read Revelation. It'll run you nuts. And I said, you're too late. I'm already nuts. Third thing he said was, let them put themselves at the disposal of God to use them as he sees fit in winning other people to Christ. That's all. To sure, to bring revival in any church or community. He said, I've given this prescription around the world. It's been taken by many churches and many communities. And in no instance has it ever failed. And it cannot fail. Revival is inevitable. We need soul winners. How many are burdened over the condition of our nation? Let me see your hand tonight. Today. Okay. Uh, never has so many been people been burdened over people they won't invite to church. Never has been so many people burdened over the loss that they refuse to engage with and talk to God about. Isn't that something? If 95% of the of the church doesn't engage in evangelism, 95% of the church doesn't engage in evangelism. And watch this other stat. 95% of the world said if they just got an invite, they would come and say yes. 95%. Then why isn't it happening, Pastor? I just want to close out to tell you, the saints, we got to get right with God. It's so simple. The problem is the church is complacent. There is none who stirs themselves up. Stir yourself up. God has turned his face from us. What should we do? Recognize God's sovereignty. He's going to do it. Remember God's mercy. How I many know oh, he will come and bless us and respect God's place? That's it. I'm done. Would you stand? Would you stand? I know you want those points. And so let me go back because Max is, Max is OCD and he's saying, Pastor, I didn't get those. I didn't get those. Back up. Back up. Uh-oh. Oh, backed up two more. Man, alive. There's five again. All right, the service is just beginning. We're going to do the whole thing over again. Hallelujah. How many had a good time tonight? Today, huh? You heard the word? The Lord has moved. And, and listen, I want to show you some pictures next week. I just want to show you some pictures next week. Because because how many have never even really studied church history? First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Third Great Awakening. Let me see your hand. Yeah, I'd like to. I mean, say, I'd like to see that, Pastor. I really, to look at an overview of, the, of America and the church and how things came. And, and we're going to take time to teach next week. I preached a little bit today. But next week I'm going to teach and show you this. It's 1130 and I have reservations somewhere. But I want us to take hold of God. It reminds me of Jacob. Don't let me go, God, until you bless me. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? Just say, God, don't let us go. 
us go. Don't let us go until you bless us. We recognize your sovereignty. John chapter 3 and verse 8. The wind blows where it listeth. It's not up to us. It's not up to the condition of the world. It's up to the condition of the church. But God's going to have a remnant. No matter if the church keeps playing games or not. We're going to recognize God's sovereignty. Hit the next one for me, buddy, because this is not working. We're going to we're going to recognize God's sovereignty. We're going to look to God. We're going to remember God's mercy. He's a merciful God. If you're here this morning and you're away from God, you've been complacent. Maybe the chlorophyll, maybe maybe the life is coming out of you. Your wheat, your your leaf is is withering. You're you're dying on the vine. You need to make an altar repent. And the final one is to respect God's glory. Taking hold of God. Lord, we're consumed by our sins. Don't be furious, O oh Lord. Don't remember your, uh, your people's iniquity and sin. Look, we are all your people. Have mercy. Don't keep your anger forever. We need you. We want you. We must have you. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Revive us, O oh Lord. If not, there's no hope for us. The altars are open. God wants to extend his mercy to us this morning. We'd better, listen, I think God would rather forgive sin than punish sin. So get it straight. God would rather forgive your sin than punish your sin. But you got to surrender to God. So the altars are open. You can come. Ask God to help us pray. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Forgive us. Put away our sin by forgiving Unless we have no revival. So God's making a deal with us today. He will put away your sin by forgiving it. If you will put away your sin by forsaking it. It's a partnership. You, you forsake sin, he will forgive it. He'll forgive it if you forsake it. But if he forgives it and you keep on living in sin, you're really not saved. You're not saved. So you might not hear that everywhere, but you hear it here today. Father, bless your people. We're often not willing to repent. We want your mercy, though. We pray for repentance. But without knowing that we're going to relinquish sin, it's a smokescreen. It's just religious. I can tell you right now, Old Grove, if I were 30 years or younger, I would, I would, I would look at our nation going down as it is, and I would call on God to come down again. If you're 30 and under, 40 and under, and you have children that you're about to raise, I would submit to you, come to the altar and bring them before the Lord. Come to the altar, bring the next generation to the Lord. We need revival. We need revival. If you're 40 and older, you ought to be saying, God, we've seen your move on Pentecost Sunday. We have Pentecostals. We've seen the moving of the Spirit. We pray, Lord, you'd come down one more time. If you'll seek God, He's waiting. He's leaning over heaven. You don't have to persuade God to send revival. Only permit him to do so. The altars are open. Do you want to see the glory of God? Do you respect the things of God? Find yourself a place and let's call on the Lord.